Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Italian stallion, Dom Rizzuto. And hello and a good evening to you all out there, Benchwarmers. This is Splinter's special edition of the year. A big Merry Christmas and Happy New Year out to all of you out there listening in today. We are getting stuck into some great content for you this evening. My name is Dom Rizzuto. It's a pleasure to be with you here, uh, giving you a beautiful, delicious, Angry podcast for the year. We're talking all things fails from administration all the way through to blunders. Anything that you can imagine, we're going to discuss it. And of course, I'm saying we because I'm joined by my partner in crime. He is the Canberra kid. His name is Jacob Aquilina. Jacob, well, what a perfect time to be here. Just before Christmas, you know, there's work is wrapping up, but it's not quite wrapped up just yet. You're getting cranky because all you want to do is get stuck into your holidays and it hasn't finished yet. So we're going to build up that energy and we're going to put that back into getting stuck into people who haven't had the greatest years in sport. Oh, how good is it when you're just sack so close to work, you can taste your first Christmas beer, and then now you just get to sit down on a Tuesday night and just give it to people who have just messed up throughout the year. You can't beat it. Hello to you, Dom. Um, I believe this is our anniversary because our first podcast together was it not fails from last year. Well, no, it wasn't fails last year. We had successes oh, we for the too. year, oh, and uh, and we, we we were much more heart uh, warming in, in our approach this time. But I can definitely say that that will not be the case this evening. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be sort of uh, changing it up a, a, a little bit um, in the way we do things. We've kind of broken it down into categories. So we're going to start We're going to start off with some administration issues. We're going to go into some of the, the players and athletes and teams that thought that they are, uh, you know, thought they'd do a little bit better this year, you know, maybe around their mouth, and it's come back to bite them a little bit. Uh, we're then going to go down into moments and blunders of the years, uh, moments that uh, really define the year in sport for let's say, uh, like a better, better word to make it a lot worse than what it should be. And then right at the end of the year, we're going to uh, – a session, I should say. We're going to wrap it up. Everyone from the bench has chimed in with a few responses as to uh, honourable mentions, I should say, in regards to uh, well, how they felt uh, some of their fails of the year went down. How does that sound to you, Jack? I think that sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like a plan to me, Dom. Let's get stuck into it. Well, let's get stuck into it. We're going to stuck right into – uh, the real hard, greedy stuff. The, 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 where the roots of the cause of the problem often begin, and it is at the administration level, top dog problems that tarnish great sporting achievements, I think, far too often than not. Oh, absolutely. And they say, Dom, that the fish wants from the head, and, well, you can't get more head than the very top of the administrations. And I want to start things off... Uh, by going to somewhere that, that obviously has been talked about a lot this year, and that's Rugby Australia. And um, wow, we what a year for Rugby Australia. Hey, Raylene Castle, Israel Folau, all these names you've heard being thrown around. Uh, Michael Checker as well, he's obviously been showing the door. So, wow, what a, what a year for, for Rugby Australia. Only in the past few weeks, Don, has it finally been settled. And, uh, which, well, should we say that Israel Folau has been vindicated in quotations um for his saga throughout the year and 
if Railing Castle is still there by the end of by this time next year, dead set, it'll be a miracle. Well, look, this whole debacle that's been Australian rugby this year could well be a, a teaser for you all, a future Splinters episode moving forward, because there's just so much to go through. Uh, it's where to begin to start with. I think for me, the number one thing problem that that has that has dragged the sport down uh, since the start of the since the, this the whole year it has, has to be the Israel Folau uh, court case saga and his social media, uh, but lack of a better word, abuse uh, from this year. And of course, if you have been living under a rock, um, you have, may not have noticed that Israel Folau was stood down by Rugby Australia after some inflammatory social media posts um, or a social media post, I should say, in 2019. Um, mm. where he uh, insinu- he shared a post where he insinuated that uh, various uh, people of different beliefs and different sexualities would go to hell. Uh, Rugby Australia, uh, having already warned him about this previously, uh, about his uh, use of social media, um, chose to stood him down. And what would then go on to be a $10 million court case against Israel Folau and Rugby Australia, which, quite frankly... Uh, it, 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 I think it, it wrecked the whole year. It, it took a shine off a, a whole a World Cup year for Australia. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's um, only just now been settled finally for Israel Folau and for Rugby Australia more importantly because the way the whole saga was handled uh, by both Rugby Australia and Israel Folau was poor. It was poor and it took everything away from what, what you say. It was a World Cup year and what should have been a great year for the Wallabies and it just wasn't. They were thinking, you know, distracted too much at a administrative level, uh, no one was behind the coach, the coach was losing the team and unfortunately it showed a, a, a really poor World Cup uh, performance really um, you know, bounced down straight sets into the finals um, I mean, obviously the referee was a talking point there which we'll get to later but the Wallabies their performance was just, they were way behind the eight ball, they were never good enough and, um, and you know there's things have to change at Rugby Australia the coach is now gone Um and now Rayleigh in the Castle CEO, she has to go. She has to be the next one on the chopping block for sure because this has got to be put behind Rugby Australia and they've got to focus on the next four years. Well, look, it was a disaster from left, right and centre. The dwindling numbers in the Super Rugby. The Australian teams have not done much better after the uh, Western Fourths were cut from the competition this year. Um, the I, NRC I would... making no money and getting no viewers. The NRC Exactly is right, you know. Um, and, and now they're, they're at a stage where Fox Sports is now threatening to pull funding from the new Super Rugby television deal um, mm-hmm. ahead of the new season, which uh, will come around very quickly. I think a February start, a late yeah, February start February. Yeah, um, for the competition. It, it's 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 not looking good, and they've got a lot of changes to make. Um, it, it's it's interesting to see where, where this will go with Rugby Australia. I, I, I for one, look. It, it's disappointing to see, and as I mentioned before, this this stuff shouldn't just this stuff shouldn't be happening in professional sport. But we're finding ourselves time and time again having the same conversation with the with the same sort of individuals who care more about their own agenda than the good of the game. Absolutely, and if you look at the that rugby Australia is structured, um, they structure as a top down based performance uh, and 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 money based system. So. Obviously, the top is the Wallabies in Super Rugby. That's where most of their money goes. And then it filters down to Super Rugby uh, and then Shoot Shield and all those competitions. And then last and not least, but where, where, all the, where all the punters lie, where all the juniors lie, 
is club rugby and they are just getting shunned by Rugby Australia. And if you look at other codes in Australia and if you look at New Zealand and wonder why they're so good, it's because their rugby is bottom-up based. Rugby league, AFL, soccer here is more bottom-based. They, they work for grassroots and they work their way up. And, you know, cricket's a, a wonderful example of a bottom-based uh, financial setup. Uh, they work – they, all their money goes to the juniors and to grassroots and they want to make their way up to the big dogs. But Rugby Australia just don't want to focus on suburban grassroots rugby. And numbers are dwindling. People don't want to play the sport anymore. Referees are ruining the game. And look where we are now. We're losing World Cups. We're not making finals. We've got abysmal, abysmal performances against, you know, admittedly quality sides like New Zealand and Ireland and England. But we should be doing so much better than fifth in the world. That's for sure. Well, 100%. Look, let's. I think with Rugby Australia, we, I'm, and I'm dead serious to everyone who's listening in today, you will hear about um, the year ahead for rugby, where I'm sure the likes of Jake, Shane and Tony will jump in uh, to really give them a, a real boot up, the, boot up the backside ahead of what will be uh, a very intriguing year for Rugby Australia moving forward. Speaking of governing bodies, as we've mentioned, let's, uh, let's move from the... From the oval ball to the round ball, uh, one of the hosts of me today, it's the fo- footballing world, and I'm going to speak a little bit about the Football Federation Australia, who have handled themselves really poorly this year. Uh, as most people would know, there was big, big chats between themselves and the A-League and the, and the CEOs of, of various teams in the way in which the game was run. It was a huge power struggle between the likes of David Gallup, the Lowys, and then obviously all the other uh, men with money looking to get into it and branch away. And the way that it has disrupted from this from this entire uh, pathetic war over over what could really be essentially a few small dollars is downright disgraceful, and it affected more than just one thing. Oh, absolutely. The the way the FFA has handled themselves this year has been really appalling. And David Gallup, you know, we saw what he did at Rugby League and now he's transferred over to the um, the A-League and he's the CEO over there at the FFA. And and now it just looks looks like it's fallen to the wayside and all their, all their care has gone out to the game. And now everyone's looking at that financial gain less about caring for the game. Well, look, it's affected a number of things. So the most recent one, obviously, that's on field as well. Um, you know, there's... there's the, the, the A-League has still got dwindling numbers uh, both uh, live and on air. Um, had it not been for the, the extra three years or two years that's running left on the Fox Sports uh, broadcast deal, they'd be in big trouble. Um, they, you know, they've done some things. They bought in Western, Western United, the, the second base, the third base Melbourne team. Uh, that seems to have been a decent acquisition. Um, but then you only have to look as far as uh, what's gone on with the Ollie Roos um, after a, a small... Um, a quite successful uh, sort of mini uh, under-17s World Cup, uh, had a few players who went out and probably took the opportunity to go out in uh, in, in Asia uh, and, you know, get away with a few of the drinking laws over there. They were in trouble, stood down uh, ridiculously um, through different um, processes, which is quite disgraceful. We've seen board members stand down. It's been so poorly handled. I mean, how can a suspension of four, six, 17, 17 16-year-olds... Re- result in someone standing down. That's just downright ridiculous. Mm. It's just uh, people taking it too far, unfortunately, uh, Dom. And for 16-year-olds to, yeah, look, they're going to be, you know, 
I don't, don't like to say because it's turned around too much these days, but boys will be boys, 16-year-olds. I always want to take advantage of you know a new place. Obviously, under-17s World Cup, it's big for them. It's really their first sort of limelight, really shining through the limelight, pulling on the gold jersey. They really take to it. And for it to be handled so poorly, it's so really disappointing to see. Well, it's uh, and it leads me to the biggest one now. I know that this is probably a little controversial in in some ways, but you know what? We, we we're bigger uh, here uh, on Splinters and on the bench about uh, giving uh, a women's sport a decent coverage. But at the same time, that doesn't give us the that doesn't mean that we shy away from providing criticism as well. Because at the end of the day, it's a fair game. The FFA performance, uh, not just with the arguments with the A League, the way they've dealt with the Oli Roos, but the way they handled. The Alan Stajic sacking earlier this year, resulting in uh, Ante Milicic coming in as the coach, was downright awful, and it affected the World Cup, the, women, the, the Matildas World Cup performance, which was very subpar. A round of 16 appearance uh, for the ladies, not a bad achievement, but considering where they are and the form that they had going into the competition through the group qualifiers, the year that the the, the, the World Cup they had before, they had Sam Kerr who was in the top three, if some, arguably to some, the best player in the world on the, on the side, and to get only as far as just past the group stages, and, and that's bearing in mind, a loss to Italy early on in the opening stages was n- not of a standard that I think most of Australia was expecting. Oh, absolutely. Their World Cup, as you said, was subpar. They are so much a much better team than Group of 16. We've we 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 were all had predictions at the start of the uh, Women's World Cup this year. Um, top four semi-finals, qualifying finals. They were all our were all our expecting expectations for. We was a genuine contender for a Women's World Cup in uh, in soccer for the for the women. That for them to just bail out in the round of 16 and only barely make it out of the group stage, it really is one of the biggest fails of the year. Uh, Jake, we've been bogging on about uh, uh, football and rugby for a little bit longer, but there's a, there are other sports that haven't handled themselves uh, too well, and it's another one, another one close to home and one that's close to you. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, it, it, BBL, we all love BBL. Big Bash League is one of the best uh, things that Cricket Australia have ever come up with. It's really brought kids into the game, and it's really brought people back into watching cricket. Yeah, 2020 may be the fun game that the traditionalists don't really like, but you know what? It's fun. You get home, it starts at 6.30, awesome. But last year's Big Bash League dragged on way, way too long. Way too long. And by the by, what felt like week 18 was really the, eight, the eighth week where the final that finally came around, everyone had just stopped caring. Unfortunately, they just took it too far. All they wanted to do was get a bit of money out and make it last a lot longer. Play you know, more games over longer periods of time instead of having double headers, which double headers the year before were the best thing. The best thing. Because if you had no test cricket on, people were just going to sit and watch four hours of cricket all night and you're going to make money that way. Double headers worked perfectly. I don't get why the BBL and CA got rid of the the shorter form. Now, they, now this year they have gone back to the shorter form, a shorter six-week uh uh, competition, but last year's eight week just dragged on way too long, and you know you got tweets from guys like Ed Cowan and those kind of guys who were just going, right, I'm sick of this now. Get me to the finals and get this over with because it's just dragged on too long. Look, yeah, this year they this this coming season of BBL, which starts I think on Thursday, um, yep, they shortened it, gone to more double headers, perfect. Last year 
Way too long. Huge fail, Dom. It was a huge fail. Now, I'm going to quickly wrap up my last one that I quickly want to mention before the um, before we move on to our next topic because we're already pressed for time here. And, of course, if what we do is, is we've got a little bit at the end where we're just sort of discussing honourable mentions. Anything we miss uh, in, the, in the few minutes uh, that we have left in this first half and in the first part of the second half, we will throw in right at the end to make sure that we get through it and give you everything that we have here on this edition of Splinters. Now, to get one more point in on administration, and I think it's it's uh, in some ways it, in some ways it's finally happened, in which it's a good thing, but it now has to be wrapped up as a fail within this year, and it is Russia's ban from pretty much all international organised uh, sporting events due to the doping scandal that they finally been caught up with with the majority of their mm. Olympic athletes. Uh, that whole scenario has still got so many more cans of worms to be opened up with various players going to re- and athletes going to represent other countries, uh, the football team being allowed to play in the, Euro- the upcoming 2020 Euros because it's not technically a global competition. Mm. Um, it's There's so much more to come, but it's it begs to question to me, Russia's now gone, who's next on the list? Because they can't be the only ones moving oh, forward. There's- Oh, absolutely not. There's always going to be someone who's going to, you know, stretch the rules and find a way around the rules. And, you know, Russia have got caught. It's unfortunate for them that they're going to miss Olympics and world events and all that kind of stuff, which is terrible news for Russia. Having just hosted one of the better soccer World Cups just recently, by all accounts, the Russians were awesome at hosting. And now they're going to go missing um, for the next few World Cups and, and, and world events like the Olympics next year. And look, it's, you know, it's, Standardized doping, and unfortunately, you can't do that. You just, you got, there's got to be some sort of punishment. I think it's a fair punishment. But you're right, Dom. Who's next? There, you know, there's always been chats about people who want to bend the rules and want to dope and that kind of stuff. And we've seen it here in Australia. We've seen it now in Russia. Oh, I don't want to make any guesses um, as to who's going to be next, but surely you'd say there'd be someone because the Russia can't be the only ones who are trying to bend the rules like this. No, exactly right. Look, let's move into the uh, next uh, topic because we're we're Time is rapidly passing by. As something that we uh, usually feel like we have plenty, uh, plenty on our hands, but it's not been the case today. Let's get stuck into um, players, athletes, and teams from this year. Now, I'm going to go straight off the bat with two people in one go. Uh, it's come from the heavyweight boxing world, and it has come from Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. Now, I'll tell you why this is a bit of a fail for me. These two guys... Anthony Joshua was the undefeated king of the boxing world with eyes on a a fight potentially with Deontay Wilder and a Mm. returning Tyson Fury. Mm. Now, what happened was is is he went over to America and he was meant to go face uh, big baby Joel Williams. He got done for uh, a use of performance enhancing drugs before the fight fight was called off and Andrew Andrew Ruiz came in to replace him. The fight happened at Madison Square Garden. It was Joshua's first fight in the in America. He got dubbed. Seventh round TKO, I believe it was, where he got done uh, in a stoppage uh, with, a, with a nasty right hook from Andy Ruiz, who pretty much produced what arguably was the biggest underdog fight in, in a very long time. He was a nobody. This fat Mexican kid who came out of nowhere... Nobody had ever heard of him if you weren't a boxing fan, and he's come on and won the fight. First of all, there's a big fail from Joshua because he then lost the opportunity to move straight into a fight with either Wilder or Fury because straight away those guys are undefeated. 
He now can't fight them. We've pushed the heavyweight division back. The title's still ununified. It, it's a whole mess. Fast forward to a week ago. Andy Joshua, Andy Joshua, Andy Ruiz fight in the Middle East. Big talk, obviously. And this time, the fail comes from Andy Ruiz. He comes in as the heaviest heavyweight boxer to weigh in of all time against a lean Anthony Joshua who needs to bounce back and make an impression, who's angry and hungry to get back to where he is. And he got absolutely smoked. What I want to say is that, oh, this is to wrap it up quickly, what a waste of time. Tells me really for Dom. Tells me really for. But mate, honestly, that it was a it was a unanimous points decision um, that decided Riaz Joshua too. And by all accounts, it should have been done a lot earlier because Joshua was all over Riaz here uh, in this second fight in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Ruiz, how much weight did he put on? He he came out and after the fight, and not as an excuse, but more of as a point of, of, of call and just said yeah I put on too much weight uh, I, but as you said the heaviest heavyweight ever to weigh in as a heavyweight and you can't be going into that into a fight like do a fight against someone like Andy Joshua and be and be overweight because it just you're going to lose and he and he did lose to be fair to uh, to Ruiz he did go the distance and um, it was a very good effort for him to stay up on his feet for the whole time but he was just he just got flogged unfortunately but uh, you know speaking of people who are Talking a lot after the uh, coming out and talking, running their mouth and uh, that were coming to them. What a cast of NFL players we've had doing exactly that this year, Dom. We've yes. had many. We've had uh, uh, three, the big three that I can think of: Antonio Brown, AB, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., and Baker Mayfield. All of them have came out preseason. We, we've heard the saga of Antonio Brown. Where who's he going to play for? He's gone for. He's not well. He's actually but, not a well human. In that, well, he can't be because he went from the highs of he was Madden cover. It's the Madden curse coming back. He was Madden cover. He was one of the best receivers in the league at the Steelers. Moved down to play for uh, the Raiders, and it just went downhill from there. It all hit the fan at that point. He just couldn't fit in at the Raiders. He had this helmet debacle uh, with the NFL. Then he moved to the Patriots. Then he got dumped by the Patriots. And now where is he? Nowhere. No one knows where. I don't know where he is. He's, I don't training know what he's, with doing. His, he's training with his mate that he grew up with when he was 13 in a local park. Did you see that video that he posted of him training? Oh, I haven't, no. Ridiculous. Wow. It's, well, it's, it's like, the saddest sight I've ever seen. Oh, he used to. And, what, and the caption was like, oh, it was like some idiot was like, oh, AB looking good. I'm like, what? Against his blind brother? I mean, come <laughs> yeah. on. What? It's, what a fall from grace, eh? What a yeah. fall from grace. But, you know, it, he. He just couldn't get himself right for the NFL world. What a shame, because what a talent he was. Him and Derek Carr together at the Raiders would have been awesome. But then, no, he's gone and ruined it all by being an arrogant little, you know what? So, But exactly like OBJ and Baker Mayfield, both at the start of the season, came out and said, oh, my God, this is going to be awesome. How good are we going to be this year? The Browns were a chance. We're going to go all the way. Super Bowl playoffs. They get a reward for being a fail every year, don't they, the Browns? When do they have, like, every year, they're, they're... Until they do the South Sydney and actually win a title, they're, they're always going to be a fail. South Sydney were like that for years until they actually won one. But on paper, with o, with Odell Beckham Jr., who was one of the biggest talents in, in football, and Baker Mayfield's first year as a starter, he started a few games last year and looked, uh, sorry, the, the previous season and looked 
phenomenal. And now the Browns, they're, they're not in any race for any of um, any playoff. Baker Mayfield's had a painfully, painfully average season um, behind centre. And Odell, I think Odell's thrown almost more touchdowns than Baker has because he just seems to be playing that flea flicker play um, that they, they run all the time that Patriots like to run with um, Edelman and Brady. They're all doing it this year. There's another one. Like, Josh Gordon tried it this, yes, this morning or the other yeah. day for, for, for Seattle. They did it against Carolina. He threw it and threw an intercept. They don't really let him six they, points with five minutes to go. Why, would the, why are you giving the ball to the right receiver why, to throw it? Why throw it away? Exactly. Why throw it away? Talking of teams, yeah. while we're on the NFL, just to wrap up, another one that I want to throw in there is the New England Patriots. Now, they've had a great se- season on field. But recently, once again, done for cheating. Oh, they love it, don't they? Spygate 2.0. They had Deflategate, and now they have Spygate. I mean, how? How can they just keep cheating? And Neville just bats an island. Yeah, Who's everyone goes, everyone goes, ah. Just the Patriots, oh, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Ridiculous. Wait, what, there were, I think, 11 consecutive playoffs. They've won five titles, and everyone's like, oh, we're the best. Yeah, we might cheat, but ah, play on. It's all right. Play on. on with our day. Let the boars play, as they say. Let the boars play. Exactly boys right. Play. Well, look, unfortunately, we are actually running out of time for this first half of the segment. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the, the players and athletes and teams that didn't perform so well. Um, and then we'll move into uh, some blunders at the end of the year because we don't have as many blunders this year. I think there was any this, – this, this, this year was dominated by a very, very couple of – uh, blatantly obvious mistakes that were made at some major e- events. And then what we'll do is, is we'll wrap it up with some few honourable mentions at the end. You're listening to the Fails Edition of, with, of 2019 with Jake and Dom. We'll be right back shortly on Triple H 100.1 FM. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back, everyone. It's great to have your company once again for another edition of Splinters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. My name is Dom. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm here with Jacob Aquilina. Um, did mention at the start, actually, that, uh, of course, we are a podcast form, and you can get us anywhere at any time. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on iTunes. You can get us on podcast.com, our, our spiritual home, as I like to call it. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcast from, you can get it. And, of course, we do this all things to be all about carrying Sydney Bears. You are listening to the 2019 Fails of the Year. We just went through what seemed to be an exceedingly amount of high content in such a short period of time. I hope we all squeezed it down and hope it made sense for you. I hope you agreed um, with all the suggestions that we've put in. We didn't get to really get into the players and the teams and the athletes that have really disappointed us in 2019. However, what we are going to do is get to them a little bit later. But first of all, we want to talk about the, some of the big blunders of the year uh, that happened. Now, I'm going to go to you, Jake, first, because I know there's one that's really close to your heart. Mm, and well, there's a couple here, actually, Dom. Well, there's one that's really on. close, isn't there? 
There's sure one that's is. really close. One that's green with envy, as some would say. Mm, absolutely. And if uh, if I hear the words six again yelled at me ever again, I think I'm going to explode, uh, mate, to uh, be honest with you. Because the amount of times, you know, the refereeing in the the rugby league NRL grand final this year was appalling. And it was appalling for both teams. It was a very skinny 10 metres held all game by the referees. Obviously, you had six again, which, you know, once you've made the call, stick with your call because, you know, what's it, why change? Because you may as well change all the other calls you made for the rest of the game. You know, the obviously, the rule has now been changed where if you're trying to get involved, you replay the tackle. So it'd have been, it would have been fifth tackle again for the Roosters. And obviously, the, uh, and so I come out and they said, oh, yeah, we actually got the uh, um, C.S. Oliola tackle wrong as well because he took out uh, Luke Keary. Uh, in the air with his, you know, there was no arms in the tackle. To be fair, when I thought saw that live, I thought he's done well to go away, get away with that one there. But the ball hit him in the head, so, you know, I mean, but uh, you got six again saga that was just talked about for weeks. I've seen it, all the Raiders fans absolutely give it to um, the NRL referees about the game. But at the end of the day, look, you know, you can talk about refereeing all you want, but yeah, we'll be, become bigger and better next year. What annoyed me more than anything else, Susan, it's the same old dreary rubbish that the NRL refereeing community and the NRL put, hierarchy put up every year, is the, is the, is the failure to accept fault. Yeah. That is where it's annoying. No one in that organisation ever puts their hand up, hands up and goes, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. No one ever does it. The only thing that they did was Graham Ansley came out and said that actually, no, it was the Roosters who were robbed. Yeah. Due to a couple of calls during the match. I can't remember for the life because it, I've tried to forget about such ludicrous comments as much as I possible. can't, can't believe you come out and say something like that. can't believe it. Honestly. Following off on what happened as well, to say, actually, no, there was the, it's the other way around. Just shut up. They miss, you don't say anything if you're going to say, if you're going to say something at all. What you should have said was come out and said, hand up in the air. Yes, we made mistakes in that game. I get get referees make mistakes. I get referees make mistakes. They're only human. I get it. But, yeah, you're right. It's them coming out and going, wow, you know, really, it's your fault for for listening to us. Two wrongs don't make a right. How many times have I got to say? What do you want us to do? Not listen? but not only that is, is I got I got two points on this. Two, two, three points. Two wrongs don't make a right to start with. Oh yeah, because they missed that call. It, but they actually missed other calls, so it evened out. Rubbish. Don't miss them in the first place. It doesn't even out like that. The second thing I, is, is that what annoys people is, is the amount of video technology that they have and people watching the game. They still can't get the correct decision right when they played on. You know, technically, it could have gone really far back to to look at it in the first place. Um, it it, it annoys me because. I argued with it a while ago is that uh, failure often creates excitement. Sport has started to lose its entertainment value because of the money that's involved and of the importance of winning. Betting, for example, it becomes mm-hmm. a big thing. But some of the greatest moments in sporting history have come from bl- fails and blunders and, and just cheating. Just cheating. You could put Diego Maradona's hand of God in the top ten sporting moments of all time. Stephen Bradbury winning the speed skating because every yes, man fell in front of him. That's, 
Fatal that's an Australian icon, and he only won because everyone else fell over. And the third thing, I go back to that honesty again. On field, you hear Ben Cummins go six again, and then they they go. You just sits and he changes his mind, and they turn around the Raiders players and go, "You just called six again," and he goes, "No, I didn't." Yes, you did. Yeah, we all heard it. We all heard it. He just blatantly lied. That's a referee that, and, blatantly lying to a player, and everyone just missed it. Everyone just bats their eyelid at it. And, and oh, they all, that was the I worst got, part of it all. Oh, the, it, we go. He goes. When Jack said, when Jack White yelled out, "You called six again. You called six again," and then for for Cummins to go. Well, I didn't, so play the ball, Roosters. Uh, what do you do to that situation? When, if you aren't Jack Whiten, I'm almost, I'm close to absolutely giving it to him, just blowing up the lux in his, in his face, but it's a grand final. You've got to keep going. But for him to go, no, I didn't, and then move on with his day, and everyone go, oh, well, fair enough, and then just move on as well, it's ludicrous, completely ludicrous. It wrapped up a, a, an awful year for the referees, and following on from the year before that was even well, off the, the year that they had before that in 2018, where they actually started off doing really good refereeing, and they're actually refereeing the game probably. Yes, they're giving lots of penalties, but the teams were cheating. They're finally calling mm. teams for cheating, and then the likes of Phil Gould and Andrew Johns whinged about it not being a game, or oh, they don't let them play, blah 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 blah. It's like it's like state of origin. Oh, it's the best arena for rugby league. No, it isn't. It's just the refs let them play. They just let them cheat, and they run. They only walk them back five yards. Instead of 10 yeah. metres, the standard 10 metres. I thought it was... Melbourne Roosters and Storm had a final. Oh, look, everyone's happy now. Whoop-dee-doo. The two biggest cheats that the, the competition has seen in the last 10 years uh, are in the final again. Yay. Shock Yay. of the year, that one. How much better was it seeing someone not Melbourne being in the, in the uh, grand final? Now, this is something I do have to take back, and I know this is fail of the year, and I know that we all, especially us on the bench, we do actually now have a few, obviously... Roosters supporters in the ranks uh, these days, so we can't be too harsh to them. I do have to say, you have to take things, kind of take things back, a big achievement for them and a big congratulations to them. This is not against them as a club or, or a team. They have, they, as far as we're concerned, won, the, won it fairly um, within, the, within the, the laws of the game and back-to-back, a huge achievement for the first time since the Broncos did it in 92 and 93 in the Super League. Now, yeah. let's move on from Rugby League. We'll, again... Uh, Time will come around again shortly, ladies and gentlemen, and the NRL will start again, and I'm sure the Rugby League aficionados will be out in force to discuss the upcoming 2020 season. Uh, Let's talk about another sort of blunder for the year, though. Uh, And for me, I'm going to go a little bit uh, closer to home in terms of my personal interest. And it was the removal of the Davis Cup this year. Well, not the removal, it was the... The reimagined version of the Davis Cup. Now, hmm. it was hotly contested. The Davis Cup has run for a hundred years in the same format, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, competitions in the world. Hmm. Um, this year, 2019, they changed it into an 18-team uh, tournament. It was played along one week in Spain. Um, it was signed by. Uh, the management company of Spanish football player Gerard Piquet, uh, and it was it was changed into a few sale. Now, the biggest blunder here, first of all, we have to remember was was Leighton Hewitt's uh, decision to take Nick Kyrgios off in the yes. quarterfinal against Canada, um, relying on uh, John John Millman to do the job over Popesville. I should say he didn't do the job. 
Um, Nick Kyrgios sat the match out in Australia, went on to lose. That was a big loss. But the tournament in general was harshly criticised and harshly praised, so hugely praised, on either side. Now, where you sit is an interesting one on this one. And I sit on the failed side. Matches ran well into 4 a.m. in the morning. Some matches did. That is absolutely absurd. It was mm. made out of one stadium. So the crowd figures weren't that great, except for when Spain played, essentially, who, surprise, surprise, went on to win it. Um, it was... It was. It just wasn't. The format wasn't. It wasn't exciting. It had lost its nostalgia. Yes, you can argue that you know there was various different positives to it. The team format in tennis, I think, is loved by especially the players themselves. The way that it went wrong, there was there was uh, there was horrible things. You know, there was there was everything. Uh, Todd Woodbridge said it brilliantly. There, he said there was every issue, even IT issues, computer issues. And you wouldn't think that's a big deal, but it's a damn big deal. That shouldn't be happening at a world tournament. Oh, absolutely. The 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 way the whole tournament went about it, uh, everything, and the way the the new system set up. Obviously, Leighton Hewitt dropping um, Kyrgios. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, dropping uh, the, from the team was just it was a it's a tough decision. But you know, the the Davis Cup has been you know a highlight of the the tennis uh, circuit for. Very, very, very long time. It's always a very fun competition to be uh, around and to watch. So for it to be so poorly handled, um, you know, especially in a place like Spain, which you think would do a decent job at hosting a tennis tournament, but unfortunately a really, uh, really sad time for the Davis Cup. Well, it takes it away. You know, it used to be home and away times. At its field, you play some, you play the first few legs in with one nation and then you travel across to kind of like a Champions League match. Um, you know, where you play the home and away leg. Um, there was issues around teams that which teams got in. You know, uh, as it was mentioned, France were given a position uh, to qualify. Um, the president of the ITF is French. You know, that's a big question around that. You don't have to qualify anymore. It's not the best of the best. It's just a matter of politics and who they think they want to be put in front of a crowd. The French don't have a good don't have great tennis players at the moment, especially in the men's division. You know, they they've lost Joe Wilford Song is old now. Gail on isn't will will always be rocks and diamonds. And then aside from that they don't really have much else on the inside the top twenty players in the world at the moment. So it begs the question as to how this was allowed to go ahead. Will it survive moving forward? It's now based into a sort of World Cup system uh, where they just go and play one year in one week. I don't know if I like that. The idea is that the Davis Cup builds up to something. And, you know, if, if a World Cup is happening once every 12 months, it, it's what's what it, What makes it a World Cup? Takes away, World from, Cup? takes away from the spectacle that would be a World Cup. Exactly obviously, right. Obviously, the pinnacle of, of tennis would be uh, the major tournaments. But the Davis Cup has always been... A great day, a great sort of time in the calendar for tennis, and now it's being turned into a little bit of a farce. You couldn't have hit the nail on the head any better. Let's move on from tennis, though, because I'm sure there's more blunders that you wouldn't like to mention yourself, Mr. Aquilina. Oh, absolutely. And uh, this one for mine, uh, look, I really do want to get stuck into World Cup referees, I'm sure we will, but the Cricket World Cup final, what a debacle that was. 
I actually I woke up at about four in the morning and switched on my uh, my viewing application for cricket, and uh, to see the scores level after fifty overs, and then to watch the two super overs, and for then those to be level uh, after each over scores level again, and England to win the World Cup on boundary countbacks. Disgraceful. <laughs> it's like something out of a Milo back. cricket final, isn't it? Dead set. I, I wouldn't even. Well, I wouldn't even do a boundary countback for my under 13s team that I would coach. Dead set. Boundary countback. What a debacle! To what a disgraceful way to win a World Cup. And they carried on like they'd scored more runs in New Zealand. New Zealand were easily, easily the best team over the World Cup, and they would and should have easily won that World Cup. And England. To be celebrating, like because they won, because someone hit a few more boundaries, hit a couple of foot, hit, hit the fence a few more times. I don't believe it. England lost, England lost uh, eleven wickets, I think, over the uh, over the game, and New Zealand lost nine. New Zealand lost less wickets, and 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 why don't get why they can't just have another over? If you're even again, go again. I don't get what well, you're not so, yeah. it wasn't 11.30 at night. It was like 5.30 in the afternoon. It, it was, was like when the AFL had a draw in the grand final. Yeah. And then they, like, but they played it, but they played it again the previous week, didn't they? Uh, so they did. the, uh, and it was the next week. Yeah. Thrashing and nobody turned up. It was a waste of time. Well, yeah, as a waste of time. time. And it ruined it because I believe, I can't remember who it was back then now. Um, but one of them was like a clear underdog. And the other yeah. was a clear favourite. And then obviously the underdog could push them all the way. And then in the second week, the, the better team Turned went on and smashed. Logged. Yeah. I, think what, it might what, I don't get why you can't just have another super over. Like, And now they, they have changed the rule where you do have another super over. And then it happened again. It happened again. Um, England and New Zealand played a uh, one-day game in New Zealand. Then it was a super over. And, in, uh, and New Zealand scored 16 runs in the first over. But uh, I did, obviously didn't turn out to be a draw that, on that day. But oh, their hearts were being back in their mouths, and they I think they I think they even lost that super over uh, against England in New Zealand. But oh, the way he was handled, what an absolute farce! And no one, no one recognises England as the winner of that World Cup except England. There's always there always be little asterisks. There always be little asterisks next to that World Cup. England drew the World Cup with New Zealand, only one because more boundaries were scored. I can't believe it, Tom. Absolute disgrace. Just a note, because we don't like to get things inaccurate here on Splinters at that grand final, as I thought it was. I just didn't want to say it out loud because it wasn't too sure, but it was between Collingwood and St Kilda at uh, that final. And then it was it was a 68, it was 9-14, 68, 10-8, 68, full time in the first game of that grand final. And it was then replayed in which Collingwood absolutely thrashed St Kilda by 56 points. Let's wrap up this quickly because we want to get into some honourable mentions, but I know there's one that, like, more blunder from the year that you really want to discuss, Jake, and it's around the more refereeing, funnily enough. <laughs> what are yeah. you thin for the, for, the, for the men with the whistle and the cards and the funny hats? It was, was at the Rugby World Cup and the, and the physical war changes that they just made on what seemed to be made on the spot. In Japan, oh, oh, and it's not—it's the referees, but it's also the IRB, and we could have probably touched on this. Now I'm thinking about it, and administrations, but most of the refereeing was pathetic in that Rugby World Cup. 
And I, I knew, and I knew as soon as I watched that first match where Reese Hodge was sided for getting bumped off against Fiji, he got bumped off and got sided and got three weeks for it, three matches for it. That what was a disgrace. Fast. I couldn't believe it. And I knew as, as soon as I saw that, then I saw another red card being showed, yellow cards for guys essentially breathing too close for other, to other guys. And then I knew, I said, I said this to so many people, I said, there's going to be, a, it's going to be a cup, it'll be a final or a quarter. And it's going to be decided by a, a terrible refereeing decision and a card where it should be a card. And what do we see? French red card in the, in the uh, quarterfinal, and they lost. Unfortunately, well, France. They well, deserve uh, that red card. That card. But, but there was no. But there was two cards in that game. Yes, one of them did deserve to be a red card. There was an elbow. You can't be throwing elbows. But there was another card. I think it must have been a yellow card then. Uh, and they had uh, they had two men off the field at one point. Which didn't deserve to be a yellow card. I think it was even a scrum penalty. So, uh, but the, you know, citing Marika Korobiti for uh, Wallabies against Wales. Uh, but then New Zealand, New Zealand get away with blatant, blatant, blatant cheating, blatant cheating. Uh, you know, when they run through, take out a half back and taking out high and taking out late, and they just get just play on. No one seems to bat an eyelid. But you know, as soon as Ben Skeen sits behind the TV. Uh, Funnily enough, he's a Kiwi as well. Sits behind the television, uh, and and what and TMOs any game. More than happy to go back five minutes to cite one person for something that was so long. But also, the you know the Wallabies versus Wales first half went for like forty eight minutes or something like that because or or, or fifty two minutes because uh, because Ben Skeen would sit back and nitpick and go through with a fine tooth comb every single minute of the play to go back five minutes to give a penalty against Wallabies or against Wales, give yellow cards unnecessary yellow cards. And it's the IOB stressing about safety. Yes, obviously you've got to be safe. You've got to be, you've got to play proper proper football. I get it. But for it to be taking it way too far over the top, I, you know, I, I've got this, I've got this awful feeling that the next World Cup's going to be uh, Oz tag World Cup now, because this is going to take all the fun away from, you know, but it's things, but it's come through now as a grassroots level. I think in France now, they don't play tackle rugby until they're under 13. Under 13. What's the point? Might as go and play soccer. Yeah, you should. You should. Well, that was the moment of blunders uh, for you, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we've got a bit of time left on our hand, about five, six minutes here to discuss uh, uh, some other little picks. I'm going to rattle off a few for you here, Jake. And you, you can say, hey, we'll play a little game. I'm going mm-hmm. to rattle one off, and you can say yes or no uh, mm-hmm. to whether or not to fail. My first one for you, player management in the NRL. I don't think you could disagree with me on this one. Absolutely awful. And you only have to look as far as two examples in terms of the way that how players and managements have clashed with clubs in the back end of uh, this year so far is Latrell Mitchell and then Ryan Madison of the West Tigers. Oh, absolutely. The way that's been handled. Latrell Mitchell, I don't know who's um, who's – managing him at the moment but he's got to do a better job because you know the trauma chill he's uh he's got a lot of things in his mind at the moment he's got a family to look after he wants more money he wants to play fullback but no one seems to want to touch him and it's poor managerial effort and the way ryan madison has been handled as well the tigers has just been abysmal and it's got hasn't got a lot of limelight uh because of the trauma Mitchell saga but it needs to because it's been handled poorly dom it has been. Here's another one for you, which I think is going to get out there. VAR in football has been introduced quite heavily in the last year, especially this year. It's been on show in the Premier League. Two mm. times this has happened to Liverpool. An offside has been deemed by the length of your armpit. 
Wow. That's all you need to say to that. Wow. The length of the R. It couldn't... The VAR has it just ruined the way that technology has been brought into soccer because I I get why they, they kind of do it, but, you know, it just stops the flow of the game. Soccer is a game that doesn't stop, and they wanted mm-hmm. to stop now for VAR. It just, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to make it work, but it just doesn't. How about yourself? Surely there's a, there's another one out there that you could mention as an honourable pick. Yeah, I want to throw out the uh, the New Zealand World Cup performance. We're going in uh, the Rugby World Cup. This is uh, going into the Rugby World Cup. Red hot favourites in the dollar nineties, dollar eighty sort of setup for to win the whole thing if you're a betting man. And they got bumped out quite quickly, admittedly against an England side who had played the best game of rugby ever. If it, to anyone was to beat New Zealand, it was that the performance from the English side. But you know they they weren't as dominating as they probably could have been. Yeah, they did, do, they did play some dominating games, and yes, they'd won a lot of games by a lot of points, but I just thought they were in third or fourth gear when they needed to kick up the fifth gear. Obviously, England performed superbly well in that quarterfinal, but New Zealand, they just needed, they didn't really kick up to, they sort of felt a bit complacent. Yeah, they were a little bit off their game, weren't they? It was an interesting one. Funnily enough, in a space of only a few months, England got themselves... <laughs> An unlikely victory over New Zealand uh, at another World Cup. Um, mm. Another one I want to start there. A couple of more I want to throw out there. There's one that's come, a couple of that's come through from our good friend and uh, uh, godfather of the bench, Anthony the Ball Caruso. He's mentioned uh, the yeah. President's Cup that came up recently in Australia. Really good tournament, huge event. The internationals led by five shots on the last day and choked and lost to the Americans. That Absolute has to be a bottle. Big fail. Oh, another massive one. fail. Uh, another one, one uh, is the... Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to throw to you the F1 Ferraris. What a shocking year they've had, Dom. Not a great year. They dominated in the winter testing again. They they put down fastest time in multiple practices uh, throughout the year and then come race day, uh, along with some, some poor driving from Sebastian Vettel, who I'm afraid is nowhere near as ferocious and as, and as driven driver as he once was um, back when he was driving the, the Red Bull. Um, and some poor engineering fails uh, cultivated in a shocking season for for the stallion, uh, the red stallion. And for, me, for mine, it, it just – I mentioned, of course, before the, the Matildas didn't go so great as well uh, this year the, at their respective World Cup. It was sort of a disappointing year for them following on from what we discussed about the FFA. I'm sure, Jacob Aquilina, there is so many more fails that we could have gone through, but we have so many. We, really, we only have so much time in the day. Imagine it, if we could go for three days about all the fails for this in sport this year. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we've got time for. As you said, Jacob Bakwina, it's a pleasure once again to have you by my side. Uh, the A-team back once again, mate. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. My name is Dom Rosetto. You have been listening to the 2019 Fails of the Year Splinters Edition it's been a pleasure once again to join you in company. If you want to catch us again on all different podcasts from number one all the way to through to number, God, what number are we up to now? I, I can't even count. We've done so many in there. Every single one of them is really good and top quality. You can catch us on all your Spotify, all your podcast channels, Spotify, iTunes, podcast.com. And of course, you can listen to us here on Triple H 100.1 FM. As I said, that was Jacob Aquilino. My name's Don Rizzuto. Until next time, folks, stay sharp and play pretty. Good night.